This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Carter from Clovis, New Mexico, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 26th, episode 2147. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. <laughs> well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. Your time in the saddle ain't as rough as a life in between, and the fence isn't there for you. And Jennifer is going to tell us what's coming up on today's show. Miss, miss my cue coming up on today's training with Tara Carter, all about Western things. It's all about road to the horse, in case you didn't get enough of that already. Listener and auditor Linda Guetta is going to stop by and give us her overall impressions. And then we're going to jump over onto the wild card side. And Wade Black is going to stop by and tell us all about how things went for him this year. And then finally, to wrap up the show, Russell Dilday, who is the three times world's greatest horseman, stops by and tells us about what's going on with him. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Thank you very much. That has confused uh, you and Jemmy both. We've changed we changed the order of the show and had the producers come on right at the beginning and say what's coming up on today's show. And I think half the time now you both have missed the cues. <laughs> so we're going to have to put a little electric shock on their chairs or something. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, Tara, the memory came up for me on my Facebook page this morning, and it was you and I doing our coverage together at Road to the Horse. So two years ago today, we were sitting in that booth doing coverage, and it, you know, it's been, and we met there. We met at Road to the Horse. That's how this all started. I know. That's right. It, it was because we didn't go this year. I thought, man, well, should we cover Road to the Horse on the show? But, you know, it's such a big event. And then it's such a part of who we are together. Yes, it <laughs> so is. So I guess I guess we better. <laughs> we met there. We've co- we we did the coverage. We did the live coverage. What for a couple of years from there, um, and it was the God. It was the first year your husband was competing that we met there. You had a booth. Yeah, that's I guess 2014. Wow, it's been that I long, think, really. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because because William was only two, so that would be it. 2014, and then. Wow. And then we we didn't and then yeah. And then we've covered it three times now. Yeah, that's right. I did it with you twice yeah. and then Jennifer did uh-huh. it with you last that's, year. That's um right. so yeah, it's been interesting. It's been a ride for sure and of course uh our good friend Tammy has been on the shows and we've known her for for 10 years and she helps run the thing. So so that's kind of fun. But uh you didn't go this year and we didn't go this year. We're going to speak to one of our listeners that's uh, a diehard regular and has helped us out with our coverage in the past. We're going to have her on in a couple of minutes. But you were getting reports I hear all weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> somewhere between Trevor watching the live feed 
And then uh, I had a, f- a couple of friends that were there at the event and they texted me a few updates. And so I felt like I was there and I kind of knew what was going on, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to participate in that way. And you forget how much buzz can be created around a live event, you know, a lot of time, especially when you're, when you're not at a live event. Right. Like, so that it was kind of an interesting perspective for me to be on that side of it this time and especially there with road to the horse because you buy a ticket and you go for multiple days you're gone for three if not four days um and you're there the whole time so it's not like going to a different horse show where you might be there one day watching and then you leave you're there in that arena for three or four days so the 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 fans that have been going every year like linda are committed they're yeah, diehards, right. and, and they post everything. So, yeah. <laughs> so you do see a lot of coverage that way. Um, so was Trevor sad he wasn't there competing, or has he done with it? No, I don't think he was sad. Um, I think, you know, he really respects Nick Dowers a great deal. And so he he watched from that standpoint he was like, man, I want to see, <clears throat> want to see what he does. I want to see what I can learn. I want to see what I can pick up. So, you know, that was really more like why he wanted to watch. And of course, he'd love to have watched it in person. But this is actually the best setup for Trevor for him to be able to watch stuff like that. Um, he just put it on his phone, and you know, because we have Wi-Fi at the barn, so he still worked horses, and um, <laughs> we were out at the cap riding and. Uh, we took all the family out there and he played the audio on it. So he, yeah, I mean, it was perfect. Trevor <laughs> could do miss like a 10, <clears throat> no, <clears throat> I don't, he can do like 10 things at once. So it's actually better for him to have 10 things to do at <laughs> once. So, so it was, it was kind of, and then, you know, I'd get tidbits and updates and play by plays from between him and <clears throat> excuse me, our friend Lindsay. So yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> And it was a little different. Uh, we're going to talk to, I actually caught up with uh, Linda, one of our auditors, uh, uh, about her impression from a from a spectator point of view. I caught up with her before the show today because she actually like has a real job she has to go to. So uh, we're going to play that in a minute. But it was a little different structure this year. We had Vicki Wilson competing against Nick Dowers for the World Championship. And then they did a wild card of three people, Ben Baldus, uh, Wade Black, who we're going to have on here in a little bit, and then Booger Brown. And they were competing against each other for the wild card champion uh so you got to see a lot more time in the round pens and, and for brand new people who've never seen road to the horse they basically take these untouched quarter horses and they have three days uh, an hour and a half each day usually to work with these horses in a round pen or outside the round pen and there's lots of rules and regulations uh but basically they have to train them and on the last day they put them through an obstacle course that they have not seen before so the Competitors who have not seen the obstacle course, the horses certainly haven't, and the horses have never seen anything like it before. Um, and the obstacle course is usually a lot of fun, and they, they do that as the finals for the last day. So that's how the competition goes. It's been going on forever, uh, and it really is considered the world championship of colt starting, right? Yeah, that's right. And I, some you know, some people say, well, how is it the world championship? You know, because you kind of have to be nominated and all that stuff, but. You know the people who are nominating, they're they're making a big effort to be aware of who's doing what in the industry and at what level and all of that. So, it certainly is uh, like Nick Dowers was saying about it. How you know it's bigger than it's bigger than just that event. It's you know it it's an influential event in horsemanship and in the horse industry and in the future of a horse. So yeah, it's it's 
got quite a pl- quite a message that it's trying to convey. And Vicki Wilson comes all the way from New Zealand to do this, and, Ex- and she's won the last two years. And she was the first English competitor, uh, although I did see her in a Western saddle there. Uh, and so yeah. <laughs> she did ride one of the horses Western, but she's so versatile. She's actually a, a jumper rider uh, and a Grand Prix jumper rider, a high level jumper rider. But she's also been known for training the Brumbies and and the native horses, the, the you know the the Mustang versions down in Australia, New Zealand. And then she's trained Mustangs up here. So she's had a wide variety of training experience. And then she comes in here and, you know, wins the last couple of years and really, really took, surprised everybody, I think. Um, But it just showed the diversity that they were willing to show diversity in the horse world. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I, I personally like that Nick and Vicky are both competitors so here they, you know, sometimes once you get up into performance, you stop placing as much importance on the cult start. And, you know, you sort of, you change your focus. But I love seeing that these top level competitors in their discipline coming back to focus on cult starting and, and talking about, you know, just horsemanship in general. And anyway, it's just neat for me to see that uh, they're taking full circle into account for as long as they are. Well, let's hear from one of our auditors and find out what she thought from the spectator's point of view, and then we'll talk to one of the winners. I am with one of our terrific auditors, Linda Gettig, who we have seen many, many years in a row at Road to the Horse. Linda, how long have you been going to Road to the Horse? Uh, Well, this is my fourth year out of, I think, six years I've been there, four four times in the past six years. Well, now, you've been there uh, almost every time we've been there, and you've helped us out in the past for our coverage, but we weren't there this year, so we wanted to get a report from you on how things went, how it was different, and this year was, of course, different because of the format at Road to the Horse. We had Vicki Wilson from Down Under competing against Nick Dowers, and those two were competing each other for the World Championship, and then we had a wild card. Uh, We had Ben Baldus, we had Wade Black, who's coming on the show a little bit later, and then Booger Brown. So they were all competing against each other as well. So you got to see see a lot more training in a day than you've ever had in the past. Yeah, and that that really was the biggest difference, and I loved it personally, and um the thing is, though, I think I might have been in the minority. I, I can't be sure, but the days were long. So in the mornings, we had the wild card competition um, with the three the three trainers with round pens on the on the arena floor, and then there was an, a one hour break for lunch, and then in, in the afternoon uh, was the main event. So that went on um, the first two days until five or six o'clock. And then on Sunday, it went on until past six o'clock. So it, they were long wow. days, but it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I bumped into Richard, Richard Winters at a restaurant and I just didn't even realize it was him. And I said, oh, were you guys that rode to the horse? And then I realized who I was talking <laughs> to. Past competitor, and, um, <laughs> announcer. Yeah, and annou- announcer. And he was with his wife. His daughter competed. Anyway, um, he he asked me what I thought and I said, I thought it was fantastic because that's why I go there to see training. And uh, he was a little surprised, I think. And it, it occurred to me later, maybe it's because announcing for that many hours is really a stretch, you know, it's really difficult on the voice and, you know, uh, reporting the same things 
the same types of things over and over again and stay trying to stay original with it. But um, that as meant far there as were seven wanted, people in the finals on Sunday, right? Seven horses. Yeah. So right. So the obstacle course was the same for all of the competitors except for a surprise obstacle at the end for um, the the main competitors. And uh, so they all had 20 minutes and around 10 plus 35 minutes to go through the obstacle course. So, you know, stacking that times seven horses mm. and the, and the setup of the shoots to get these colts in, into the arena, cause they have to come in unhandled. Um, it took some, it took some doing and it took some time. Um, but again, just to see all of that, like just top tier training, I, I thought it was excellent. I we, loved it. <laughs> we've both seen Nick and Vicky before, uh, but the other three we I, haven't seen before. Who impressed you between Ben and Booger and Wade? Well, um, I I really loved Ben Baldus because he had a very, he just had a really nice, kind, soft touch with the horses. Um, but they all had such different, and that was just personal for me, mm-hmm. but they all have very different, different styles. I didn't know who Booger Brown was before, uh, before either. we showed yeah. up and I didn't expect to be saying Booger so many times over the weekend. <laughs> it's not, not really part of my lexicon, but <laughs> anyway, he's, he's, a, he's got a reality show called American Horseman. I, I, you probably know that by now. And, um, and he's a character and he has a lot of fun with an audience and, um, he has a, a, he's very physical in his, you know, in the way he talks and communicates and so forth. And then Wade Black is, he's the grandson of Ray Hunt. His father is Martin Black. He's, uh, their family has a huge connection with Tom Dorrance. So he's, he's got a pedigree all of his own. Uh, human pedigree, and he also has um, a high a high level of education. Um, especially, I think probably in the horse world, he's got a master's degree in equine science or nutrition or something. And he he's also he teaches at a a college in Oregon, and so he he communicated in a in a very kind of academic intellectual way, and he's really gone about horsemanship. Um in a way that is, you know, he's trying to really base it in some science and research that well, he's done kind of, and that he's looked at. Kind of matches his dad and his grandfather then uh, in his... Yeah, yeah. I, guess it, I guess it does. I guess it does. So so they, their styles were all just so different. We had kind of a soft, gentle bend and we had, you know, the academic angle and then we had, um, you know, like the showman's angle. But what, what really impressed me with the wild cards um, was... It's funny. It was Booger Brown who was dead last the whole weekend in the in the standings, um, and and I thought that seemed like a fair ranking and everything. But at, in the final obstacle portion of the competition, he he kind of bowed out. He said, "This horse is a three day horse is a three week horse, not a three day horse, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this to him." And uh, he got a standing ovation for that. And it really brought tears to my eyes that, you know, he, he really put the, fir- the horse first. And there was a reason why he's dead last. That was a really, really tricky horse. 
beautiful horse, but very tricky. And, and, that's, that um, must, and that's interesting because he's he's the showman guy. So he's wanting to put on exactly. a show. And that, yeah. for him to do that, that meant a lot. Well, and the, but but his horse gave him plenty of opportunity to put on a show. It got bucked off. <laughs> he, he, you know, he had lots of chances to make it fun and you know explain explain what he was doing and why his progress was not exactly what he expected it to be. Um, so it was it was just really impressive. And and the other and I really thought for the entire competition, wild cards and and main competitors, that their standings exactly matched what the audience saw. And I haven't always felt that way in the past. No, we've been um, surprised a few times in the past. <laughs> like, yeah, we yeah. have. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not um, a professional, but, but this year it all just fit. And they did emphasize quite a bit that they were trying to judge in a way that uh, was more consistent and um, kind of measurable. And uh, I'm, you know, we don't get to see inside the judges' heads to know exactly what they're thinking, but just as a layperson in the audience, it made it made a lot of sense. And I had to leave um, Sunday afternoon. I had to leave to catch playing before the winner was announced, but I did get to see all of the competition. And I was really sure um, in my heart that, that Nick Dowers had won. Um, I was, based on what I saw, you know, he was the clear winner. And it was correct that he did win. Um, so, so this it, it was the, like, let me stop you there. This was the first time actually that Vicki Wilson has competed and lost. He, she's won both other times yeah. she's been there. So what happened yeah. with Vicki? Was it her horses? Was it, she, you know, Nick was just better. Mm-hmm. What, what happened? Yeah, I think, um, I think she just had, she just had those horses. They were, they were not, um, they were not bad. And she didn't, I should say her margin of, losing was maybe 5% of the total score. So it, it, they were very close to each other. Um, but Nick in the, in the obstacle course with, um, both of the Colts got through more of it. He got to the very last obstacle with both of them. And with one of them, he got, um, he got through the last obstacle and that was a pool um, a, a shallow pool of water with some uh, like bounce house balls in it floating on top of it. Mm-hmm. And he had he, his time through the course was so efficient and well done that he actually had about 10 minutes to spare when he was at that obstacle. So his horse put his head down and was very curious and investigating the balls and drank a ton of the water. And, um, it took him probably seven minutes, but that horse stepped and kind of leaped through the obstacle ultimately. And, um, and then he had time to do, you know, do a couple laps around the arena before the clock ran out. So he just, um, he just had that kind of a relationship with his horse, um, where he could, he gave it a lot of confidence, but that said, you know, Vicky, Vicky did the very same thing. She just didn't get as far. She was as impressive as always. Um, she had two really different horses, she didn't break uh, anything each this other. year. She didn't break she any didn't break arms any, or shoulders. She didn't separate a shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> she she did she did a great demo. Um, you know, she I think she captivated the audience as usual, and it was you know it's just one of those um, it's just one of those things where somebody's just slightly better. And I was I was really impressed with how sportsmanlike they both were, especially looking at social media afterwards. Just both of them realized that they were competing head to head with somebody who is a world class 
trainer. And there was there was no animosity there, I would bet. Zero. Well, they're was, both just was, really nice people, too. Yeah, they are. Yeah, And they're yeah. both really nice, kind of in a quiet way. You know, we've interviewed both of them many times, and they're just, they're just, kind of gentle nice people <laughs> yeah and they and they love what they do they love the horses i i think that was the, the second thing that it really impressed me over the weekend was how much these people these world-class trainers are really there for the horse it's not it's kind of like they go there to do what they already do well and they already do naturally and um it really came across and nick dowers when he won he he had a you know a few seconds to spare at the end he just gave a lovely um, very touching speech about what it meant to him. And he, he actually said that after his first uh, round pen, he, he, had, he was a little bit rattled and unconfident himself, and he didn't know why. And, and he, he thanked his, uh, his pen wrangler for bucking him up again and uh, you know, telling him that he could do it. He, he said, he's my Bill, my Bill Belichick. So I guess he's a Patriots fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, he thanked God and he thanked his family and he thanked a sheriff from his county. I think a sheriff from his county who came to support him at the competition. <laughs> I mean, all the way from Nevada. You know, he was just very humble and grateful. And Vicki Wilson was the same way. It was, it was impressive humanity and impressive horsemanship. Well, now... Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, and we're going to hear, we have we have one of them on today. We have the winner of the wild card, Wade uh, Black. I think you is, said Wade. Yep, Wade's yeah. coming on a little bit later. So, and thank you to Tara for getting that set up. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I was looking at the pictures and some of the videos, and when we were there together many years ago, when it first started to come into Kentucky, the stands were packed. I mean, there wasn't a seat to be had. But boy, it didn't look that way this year. No, it wasn't. I, I think there were maybe, <clears throat> if I had to guess, I'd guess about four thousand people. I think it looked like 6, about sixty percent of the stadium. Maybe I think that one seats Arena. about eight thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you okay. think's going on? You've been there. You, you know, you've you've got the feel. Why, why less and less yeah. every year? I, I really don't know. I wasn't there last year. I didn't see Vicky's third win, so I don't know what it looked like last year. But, um. If I had to guess from my own experience, I would say that they didn't promote it the same way this year. I, mm. Again, as a social media consumer, I didn't see as much promotion. And it wasn't clear when I did see the promotion that it was, you know, where, where, where I could see that it was Vicky and Nick who would be competing. It wasn't clear how that was going to be a good enough show, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like, oh, only two two people? And I was willing to take the chance because I have seen both of them and I wanted to see them again. They're that impressive. Um, but it didn't seem like it was going to be really a great show. And it also wasn't clear to me what, um, what role the wild card event would play in the whole thing. Yeah. They turned out really was, clear about how I, I agree with you there. I wasn't even sure about how that whole wild card thing was going to come out. And then I wasn't sure whether the wild cards were going to end up competing like they had in the past against Vicky and Nick. And it just was confusing. Right. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, we all know that Tootie, you know, holds, holds a surprise or two close to the vest and reveals it during the competition. Um, so, 
it was possible that she was going to say the wild card got to step in and compete against those two. And that did not happen. And, and yet it still was a good show. So I just think in terms of marketing, I think that's possible. It's possible that that's where it fell short. Um, But the people who, sorry, go ahead. ahead. Uh, The people who were there were, they were there the whole time. They were invested. They and I think that they believed they got their money's worth. Well, I, yeah. Sure. So if you didn't get out of there at six o'clock on Sunday, I'm kind of glad we didn't do the announcement. Share. <laughs> exhausted. I know because you would have <laughs> you would have been there till at least seven or seven thirty. <laughs> we usually drive yeah. home after, but that wouldn't have happened. I know. <laughs> so. Yep. There was another announcement that was made that I knew about last year. Uh, last year, before Road to the Horse, uh, 2D actually uh, did something, and it was only announced this year. I, I was kind of surprised. But so you you wrote to me immediately after and was like, oh, my God, there was just this announcement. So tell us about that. Um, the publisher of Western Horseman magazine, and I can't remember the name of the publisher, um, has purchased the show from 2D. And, um, so they will be running it. And I believe that you, it was you who told me, Glenn, that they actually were running it this year. Yeah. Is they, that your understanding? they bought it before the show last year. Um, and they didn't, I don't know if it well, oh. wasn't finalized or, or whatever, but they didn't announce it at last year's show. Um, and okay. I think then Western Horseman took over and like our friend, you know, uh, um, Tammy is working for Western Horseman now. So Western Horseman has been running oh. it all along. So who knows? You know, I, you know, I think that's a good thing. Uh, Tootie Bland, of course, started it and has been running it ever since. Um, I assume yeah, like she was there this years. year in all her finery. Um, she was there. And, but I, I did notice that her presence was, was diminished this mm. year. And I don't know if that's by her choice or if they're just turning it into a different type of event. She in in prior years she's been in and out of the floor and up and down the stairs. You could just see her. You could find her and see her all around. And it was not the case this year at all. Um, I think the point where she was the most animated and really present as as a key member of the team of the show was during the um, obstacle course. Well, that which whole is her day baby. Sunday. That's always been kind of her baby. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so clearly, yeah. you know, so clearly that's still the case. And I, I, it does have me wondering if they're going to keep her on as, you know, consultant or whatever her role might be just to bring that kind of energy. But there just wasn't the same degree of that energy over the weekend. Um, maybe she's tired of it. Who knows? Who knows what it is? But I, I do hope that, um, I do hope that the kind of fun factor that she brought to it doesn't get overshadowed by some kind of a corporate I agree. You know, I totally purpose, agree with that. Purpose. And uh, you know, I have talked to Tammy about it and and she kind of feels that it won't that they're a good group. So good. let's let's hope it stays that way. You're right. It needs that. It needs it needs still needs to be a show. It's still a show first. Yeah. It is a training competition, right. but if again, they need to fill those seats and if you know, that's going to be going forward, they're going to have to fill those empty seats. And so you've got to put on a show. It's what I've always said about the horse world and shows is, you know, whether it's a dressage show or a raining show or whatever, it's got to have some entertainment there for people who aren't true diehard horse fans, or you're not going to fill the seats. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that, Glenn, because I I think that one of the things that was very different um, from prior years is that they didn't have all the exhibition events. You know, like in the past, we've seen like quadrilles and we've seen draft horses and shooting yeah. and 
Yeah. yeah, and and they did have a little bit of that, um, but not nearly as much. The the intervals didn't include all of those things this year because there were not very many intervals. Like the longest break was about an hour, and um, they did have it at the opening ceremonies. They had a um, a roping um, exhibition guy, and they had some draft horses pulling a, a like a an old I don't know a, a wagon of some kind, a big wagon. And that was it. So that was missing, and maybe that's going to be the draw that they need to bring back. Personally, I didn't miss it because that's not why I go there. I go there to see training, but um, I, I might be just— You're one of those diehards that I was just talking about. Well, Linda, you got <laughs> to go to work. I, I have to go to work. All right. <laughs> so thank you so much well, for joining fun. us and giving us the rundown, and we'll look forward to chatting again next year. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, flies are here already in the south and will be soon invading the north as well. Offer your horses the maximum protection with the Rambo Protector. The Rambo Protector is specifically designed to offer superior protection from both flies and sunlight. Made from a unique patented fabric that is super soft and comfortable. This fly sheet provides both UV protection and maximum breathability. The Rambo Protector offers maximum coverage with its V-front closure with a sure-fit neck design, improved hood shape for greater coverage when grazing, a supersized tail flap, leg arches, belly protection, and three straight sur signals. <coughs> sur signals, sorry about that. The fly sheet also features a tail strap and shine-enhancing polyester shoulder and mane lining. Created in extremely durable fabric, the Rambo Protector is built to protect your horse for many seasons, like all horsewear products. Visit horseware.com for more details or to find the retailer near you for your Rambo Protector. All right, Tara, our first guest is ready. Okay, well, this might sound like a an introduced, uh, interesting segue into introducing Wade Black. But when you talk about the fly sheet, yeah. one of the smoothest people I have ever <laughs> seen get on a horse is Wade Black. Nice transition, Tara. There, Good there, job. <laughs> there is a video. There's a video on, it's either Road to the Horse or Western Horseman's page, but you guys, listeners, you ought to get out there and, and go watch it. The way he gets on a horse is the smoothest smoothest thing I've ever seen. So I'd, I'd just like to welcome Wade Black. He was born on the Stampede Ranch in Nevada. He grew up riding with the Buckaroos, and at a young age, he was roping, moving cows, and working with cowboys on the ranch, managed by his dad, Martin Black. At age 10, his family moved to Idaho, where they bred, raised, and trained horses for the public. And since then, Wade has done all kinds of things, starting colts, rodeoing, saddle bronc riding, and now he directs the equine science program at Treasure Valley Community College, and he is the most recent Road to the Horse wildcard winner. Welcome, Wade. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having us on. <laughs> so tell us a little bit um, what you thought of being a part of the wildcard competition this year at Road to the Horse. We heard a little bit from Linda earlier. Uh, as a spectator, but what did you feel and what did you experience as a competitor? Uh, it was awesome. It was an, an amazing experience. I had never been to Road to the Horse, and uh, I really didn't know what to expect. And I guess probably one of the the neatest things for me was just the, all the competitors there. I mean, it was just just kind of hit stride. And I mean, all all three of the wild cards, we all all had a, a shared fate and just kind of why we're there, deeper meaning, bigger purpose. We just kind of hit strides in that. And so that was just fun. It just was a, a fun atmosphere there and with, with, with Nick as well. And just, uh, 
I don't know. I, I guess I wasn't expecting it just to be honestly kind of so so laid back and, and fun. And we just we had a blast. The, the people at Road to the Horse were were awesome. You know, uh, Tootie and in the production that she's put on, the the people that she's brought there in conjunction with Western Horsemen, and it was just it was really really neat. Sometimes when you go to, oh, especially in the equine industry, there it seems like sometimes there could be a, a lot of pride and a lot of ego. And, and it was just fun. Honestly, I just, I couldn't believe how fun and lighthearted and it was definitely a serious competition, but I guess I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting it just to be so, so lighthearted. And, and we had a blast and Maya and I had a blast with our kids and everything. So. You know, I saw one of the very beginning videos where you guys were going downtown Lexington and uh, you were riding. What were those things that you guys were riding? Oh, they're Did, little remote control <laughs> horse things, and yeah, that was rodeo zone. Rodeo zone, yeah. And what a neat guy. Oh was, yeah, uh, you had him on, Glenn. Yeah, they were. Yes, we did yeah. have him on when he first came out with those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I saw. No, we visited quite a bit. I, I help out with a lot of little rodeo Bible camps and stuff, and he's got little bucking machines and different stuff. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a neat connection there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I saw you riding that, that horse in, and you had your kid, and you had your shades on, and I thought, man, that guy, he's really enjoying his time there. So that was great. So tell us, <laughs> tell us a little bit about the horse you picked and why. Uh, you know, it was funny as, as we were going through there. So there was 10 horses total. And uh, Vicky and Nick, they pick three apiece, of course. So there's six gone. And then there's uh, three wild cards. So, I mean, basically the guy that picked last, it was going to be down to two. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, it, this would make it a lot easier for me if I was just the last one. And, and so it just it cracks me up. That's kind of how, how it ended up being there. And, and from the time we, we got here, you know what I mean? I, I, I pray through a lot of stuff and it feels like that helps keep me grounded. And so wherever I'm going, sometimes I usually pray and say, all right, Lord, give me a scripture. And when I, I stepped off the plane here in, at Lexington, uh, just the scripture he gave me is, is some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. And so that was kind of the scripture I was standing on when I got here. There's, we were going through, okay, which horse, which horse. And so I, okay, Lord, you, you know, my horse. And so when it got down to the last two there, the 11 horse was the one that he was one of my top picks. And it was the one, oh, okay, this is easy. I guess we're going to pick number 11. We walked down there and, and the horses were moving around. The 11 come up and he sniffed me and it's like we had this connection or whatever. And everyone's like, pick 11, pick 11. And the nine horse was just like spooky and arcing around and didn't want anything to do with me and really avoiding me and big old stout, spooky looking sucker. And so I'm like, ooh, I actually kind of like that because it's a lot. It's a lot on a horse. And so you kind of want more energy. And, and I kind of explained that a little bit, you know, when horses are a little more spooky, kind of the chemical reactions that have a horse there, pushing them into their sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic back and forth. They can actually, they chemically, they can produce more dopamine, which is a feel-good chemical. And so I, I sometimes I feel like I can accomplish more with some of those horses and they're more sensitive. And especially in a deal like this, they, they just, they give more versus a horse that kind of gets a little bit tired and lazy and then dull. And then you're dealing with resentment instead of, instead of, you know, a fear driven response. And so, but honestly, as I'm walking up the stair, I was going back and forth and back and forth. And I was leaning more towards number, you know, 11, the big bay horse. I'm like, all right, Lord, which one are we picking? And I just heard pick number nine. So I'm like, all right, we're picking number nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's really neat to hear about how you can 
how you sometimes you pick a horse that you think you like, but you have to pick differently for an event and to hear you break it down in a couple of different ways for people to understand some of the, the emotional reasons or, you know, like the reasons that kind of in your gut for lack of a better word. And then some of the yeah. some other reasons that help you kind of scientifically navigate it. So, and I, right, one, of the things, right. one of the things I loved just hearing, I told Glenn and then that, that Trevor listened to the live feed and he had it on his phone in his pocket. So I would kind of hear tidbits whenever we were riding beside each other. And uh, a friend of ours said that, you know, she really heard you talk a lot about your horse's strengths and she loved hearing how much you talked about um, always building your horse up and, and some of the things that he was really good at. So what do you think that particular horse would excel at in the future? That, that particular horse? <clears throat> is, that, is, that what, is that the question? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes, the yeah, horse you, you know, chose. With, with, yeah, with, with that horse, man, he just I, – I really like horses like that. And, but really, you know, and that's kind of what I was breaking down and kind of what I did my master's on is – uh, I, in everything, I'm always thinking, I, I call it the training trifecta, which is task completion, temperament, and foundation. And that, his temperament, honestly, a lot of people get in trouble with, because if we were going to kind of um, analyze his temperament scientifically, you know, and I, I used the score sheets that I did on my master's there, if we were going to give him a number on self-preservation, on energy, on sensitivity, his confidence was low, you know, on those different variables, he's the type of horse that a person would get in a lot of trouble with. But, um, you know, in that, if, if we take our time and say like energy, I decrease, I decrease before I even tried to do anything on the foundation or the task completion side, I decreased his energy. I decreased his self-preservation. I increased his confidence. I decreased that, that sensitivity a little bit, but that's the type of horse he was big and stout. And if I would have tried to force him to task completion or like foundation, like I tried to force his head to come to me. I felt that the entire time I could have taught him to be really resentful and really stiff and really bracy. And it was there the entire time. And any time I wanted to fight, I could have had a huge fight. And so those are the type of horses I think that sometimes people have a lot of problems with is, you know, it's relationship. And like my dad says, you have one chance to make a first impression. And my first impression with him was I waited for him to come to me. But if I would have tried to force my will onto his will, man, it would have been a total different story. So horses like that are neat, but kind of the sad part is those are the type of horses that if, if they kind of fall into the wrong hands that, that you can have a lot of problems with them. And really at the end, they can potentially hurt someone. So I, I know they're going back to the four sixes and, and there's a lot of good hands there and, and uh, they're really enjoying, but like even in the finals, he was still pretty spooky. Like he was still a little standoffish about being caught when I tried to pull the, you know, the, the rope thing there, I, he was a little bit spooky. And I don't know, for me, I, I enjoy those type of sensitive horses like that. You know, it's interesting that you, you say that because we've watched Road of the Horse for years and years and years. And there was a reason the audience was going pick number 11 is because you one of the things about that horse that you did pick and that type of horse that you picked is you need to give them time. They need time. They need time to, right. they need time to process everything so that you don't have that adversarial uh, situation come up in the training. And you didn't have time. I mean, you, you had a limited amount of time. So picking that horse was an interesting choice. Uh, did Because it usually takes longer, did that concern you at all? No, no not really, because for <laughs> me, temperament. As far as desens, I, I don't like riding a desensitized horse. Some people like to desensitize them. For for me, 
I, I, I work on the foundation. And so that's what I talked about from the time I touch a horse, I'm thinking of vocab words. That's the term I use. So, I mean, some, some like horizontal direction, which is when I take the slack out of the rein, they put the slack back in the rein with suppleness through the pull in the loin stage one, stopping that inside front foot and moving all the feet forward around it. So I worked on that and I decreased a little bit on the temperament enough that I could accomplish instilling those foundational vocab words. And then there's things like task completion, like getting to stand to saddle. And so for me, and that's what we've done for years is I want those suckers soft and supple and moving around. And for me, I'm more concerned with those foundational things. I get on them, I start riding them, and then I come back and work on temperament. But what happens is if you decrease all the energy, you decrease the self-preservation, you increase the confidence a lot, you decrease the sensitivity, and you do that before you get on them, then what happens is you get on them and now you're struggling with resentment because they don't have the life to move. So me personally, I like them suckers kind of blowing snot and moving sideways. Then that way, when I take the slack out of the rain and bring my leg into his rib cage, he's about half spooky and he's arcing around my leg. Then I can get on him. And that's what I did. I got on him and shoot, that sucker had a lot of energy. He loped around. I mean, honestly, that first day, if they would have let me, I would have opened the gate and went outside, got him moving. Then I came back and I worked on those temperament things like getting him ready to the tarp, that kind of stuff. And so that that's kind of how we've always started horses is, you know, well, grandpa and all of us, you know, get on them and, and get them moving and, and working backwards the other way. Because you're constantly, that's what I talked about, there's three causes of resistance, a lack of communication, fear, and resentment. And like as you start working on, like I tell my students, as you start moving those numbers back and forth, they're fear-driven. Well, pretty quick, you go too far, and now you're no longer dealing with fear. You're dealing with resentment. And that was the last thing I wanted there at Rose of the Horse was a horse that was pinning his ears back and kind of kicking up because he didn't want to move. Yeah. How do you, how do you sometimes describe when you, like what you say, when you, when you go to pick up on the rein or pick up on the lead rope, when your horse, you can, you can cause a horse to find that feel or I'm not using the right words. And I think you'll probably articulate it very well, but you, you take a lead rope and you say, Hey, come put slack in this versus, Hey, here's the lead rope. You put slack in this. What, how do you, how do you describe the difference? How do you help somebody see the difference of someone who is, well, it, and I guess one of the things I've really tried to do the last, well, honestly, ever since my <coughs> masters is how do I put a name? I had to put a name and a definition to everything. I thought I saw my dad and grandpa do up doing we're growing up so i'd say well this is what we do you know and they go well name it and define it and so <laughs> in my mind the definitions help so my definition for willing submission is after initial cue the horse does the job on a loose rein and no leg pressure you know but the biggest thing is we got to realize that that a horse has a body okay there's that outer structure of his head you know people say pull his head around pull his head around well, you can have his, but you can try to force his body. You can try to force his head, and neck. You can try to force those hindquarters the other way. But we need to realize they also have a soul. And I define. I mean, that is their mind, their will, and their emotion. They have their own will, right? I have my will. If I want to pull your head over here, he has his will, and that's driven by his driving factors. Is a term that I use, which is self-preservation, comfort, companionship, and the two underlining confidence and energy. So if I try to force his head around to me, saying I want your head, well, he wants what he wants he's a prey animal so he wants to not get eaten 
right? And so what he wants is he's seeking, anytime he gets put in a situation that he does not have confidence, his self-preservation is going to kick in, and he's going to seek comfort and companionship somewhere else. So I may want his head, but he wants to not get eaten self-preservation, and he wants to seek the comfort in the companionship he has with the herd. So if I pull his head and I'm forcing it and he's not seeking me for comfort and companionship, that resentment's going to come in, and I can honestly teach him to be resentful and jerk his head the other way. So like in the road to the horse there, I roped him, and the first thing, I just kind of let him move around. I let him have his own choice. I let him want to seek that comfort and companionship somewhere else, and then I would just wait, 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 wait. And here's the biggest key. I never tried to force his head as soon as his thought came to me. See, I was... I tell my students all the time, are you forcing the body? Or are you influencing the soul? I was waiting to influence what he wanted. He wanted to seek comfort somewhere else. And I waited, waited, waited until his thought changed and he looked towards me, right? As soon as he looked towards me, I gave him comfort, okay? It didn't take very long and he was seeking that comfort and companionship with me. I decreased the energy. I increased the confidence. Pretty quick, he was melting around, and I was getting that mechanical stage of stopping the inside front foot and pivoting all the other feet forward around it. And that's what I tell my students. I want that horse to melt into my hand. So by waiting to do that, I don't know if you watched the entire stuff, pretty quick that horse was just melting into my hand. And I tell my students, you cannot force a revelation. If I try to force (laughs) his body for like stage one, then pretty quick I'm dealing with resentment. You know, like grandpa used to say, fix it up and wait, fix it up and wait. And, and anyway, that was some of the stuff that I was thinking about as I was working. Well, Wade, I was just thinking about all of that in relationship to relationships and, and marriage. And if you rearrange those words a little bit, you would have what horse women do to us horse horse husbands all the time. They have that down pat. you know what's, what's funny in the program in the program that I teach the 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 research that I developed at, at Montana State there it's called the Foundation for Perfection and it's 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 communicating. You guys still there? Yep, we're here. Yep, we are. Okay, sorry, I had to. It, it's 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 any relationship, right? And so I it's there's three causes of resistance, okay, in of uh, accomplishing a job between you know, a horse and a person, uh, two people. Uh, I incorporate this in running a business. I teach it. And it's, it's horses, cows, dogs, and people, honestly, is how I, there's three causes of resistance. And there's five things to eliminate resistance in working with anything else that has a mind, a will, and emotion, right? And so uh, it, that's what I love to teach is it's so, it's it's applicable. I think about it all the time with my kids, you know, and it's like, it, once I've developed this, it's like, oh, that's why it's not working with my horse. Oh, that's why it's not working with me and Amaya. We're having problems. Oh, that's why it's not working with our kids. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of, I teach all the time, the science, the art and the business, you know, of communicate, it's communication, right? So. Well, if this yeah. horse thing ever fails, a marriage counseling is in your future. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. My wife is laughing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually wanted to to ask you, Amaya. Uh, Amaya is Wade Black's wife. Amaya, what was what was your experience like? What was your favorite part? What was the hardest part? Oh, I agree with Wade. the The people there were incredible, and everyone was just so gracious and so kind, and very, um, very much about business and you know completing the tasks that they were there to do, but also just there to have fun and there to um, to meet people and to enjoy people and then also to do the best that they could do with their horse. And 
Oh, my favorite part, I think, was um, was helping Wade. I think that was probably the thing I was most anxious about, but it was also <laughs> probably the most special thing for me there. And then, obviously, spending time with um, – we brought our, our both of our moms, and they were incredible help with us, for us, with our kids, and spending time with our kids, and just, just meeting people. And, and honestly, I told Wade, I said, it was – I've never enjoyed you work a horse more. And so mm. um, I just thought it was, it was really fun. That's amazing. So, yeah, did you expect to feel anxious? I mean, because you've seen him ride Bronx. I would feel more anxious about that, I would oh, think. Yeah, no. Okay, so let me clarify. No, I had total confidence in his ability and what he was doing. I was totally anxious for myself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no. I was not worried about him getting hurt. No, I, I knew that he would he would do the job that he did. And, um yeah, I had total confidence in him. I was more worried that I was going to mess something up as being a tenor wrangler or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was awesome. It's funny that you say that because Tara was in the same situation with her husband a couple of years ago, weren't you, Tara? I mean, you lived through that too. Oh, funny. Yeah. yeah, well, it's just, I mean, it doesn't even matter if it's that. At home, I never get worried or anxious when I watch Trevor working with a horse or a colt. But in a show environment, whether it's, you know, a cow horse event or a ranch horse event or road to the horse there's this, like, all of a sudden I go, what am I so nervous about? What am I anxious about? So yeah. I just was curious if you expected that or if you're like, oh, no, I'm so, I'm used to it now. I, I wonder if that goes away. That's a personal yeah. question. Does it go away? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. I was definitely nervous for him and just com- just competing, right? I mean, yeah. the kind of the thing that Wade was talking about. And, and um, you know, we talk to our kids all the time about competing and and you go scared. It's okay to be scared. Courage is going scared anyway. You know, you're doing it. Anyway. <laughs> you're answering the call, no matter what the call is. If you're supposed to be doing it, no matter what the emotions are, you're going forth. And kind of with those horses too, like Wade was saying, like there was some fear in there, but he trusted Wade to get him through that. And so yeah. it's the same thing with us. So I know I was definitely nervous for him in, in the competition part, but I also knew that, um, he had the skills and the ability, and, and God has given the gifts to, to do right by that horse and to, the, to do the best that he could do. Yeah, that's very well said. So what's next for you guys? Where, where are you headed next, and what's, what's up on the horizon? You know, it's funny. We were, after this deal, uh, shoot, there was people wanting to give clinics and different job offers and all kinds of different <laughs> stuff. and. Honestly, I am so ready to just get back home. I've, I've, we've spent a long time uh, just trying to develop a good program at TVCC there. And, and gosh, after eight years, I've been there eight years. I have the program right, right where I want it. Gosh, mm-hmm. I'm so blessed. I teach 13 classes and 10 of them are horse training classes. We got, I, I run about an hour and a half from, from TVCC there. I run about 500 head of mother cows and I take my own kids up there, our family, we run them. And then I take college kids up there and, and we're in the process of building kind of 40 acres there of, of developing it and kind of developing our own place. And then our, our family, we, we raise and sell horses. And honestly, I just cannot wait to get back home. And this sounds crazy, but go build some fence with my kids. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, just get, getting back home. There was a lot of opportunities here to maybe travel and do clinics. And, oh, man, I just I was just felt so blessed that I could just go back and I have my little group of my own personal kids and those college kids and my my grandpa, he traveled all over and did the clinic thing, and it was three days. And my dad kind of did this, did, did doing the same thing, and he's got a week or two weeks. And I just feel so blessed, man. I got all these – I got these kids for a year at least 
most of the time it's two years and sometimes three years. It's just so rewarding how far these kids can get in that amount of time. And I just, honestly, I love my job. I love that I can <laughs> set a foundation and watch these kids and watch them develop. And I mean, I, there's nothing on this planet that I'd rather be doing than, than write what I'm doing. So we're going back to work. And then this summer we're hitting some rodeo Bible camps and Wade will pick up for some rodeos and hitting some horse sales and yeah, going back home. Yeah. <laughs> what lessons are you taking back to your college program? What, from what you learned this weekend, anything that you go, man, I'm going to incorporate that now. Um, I don't know. I, I think opening my eyes, sometimes I just get in my own little world sometimes. And honestly, I didn't really even know a lot about road to the horse. Once again, I just kind of stay in, I don't know, stay in my own little world sometimes. And, and just really the, the, I don't know, the whole road to the horse experience really opened up the the interest and the need and the hunger for education and I knew it was there but not on as big a scale as it was here Mm. um and I guess one of the things as I go back next year as I prepare for next year one of the things that I've been developing for quite a while is is TQA which is training quality assurance and I have an industry certification to you know there's different certifications out there like the CHA the Certified Horsemanship Association but really what I've been working on ever since my master's is there's nothing for the industry that says, okay, if I'm the consumer and I'm going to pay you for one month or two months, what do I get as a consumer? You know, and so that's what I've been working on the last Sort of years like a is, consumer rights is, kind of thing, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it says, you know, it's, it, and not that it's, it, what I've developed is I took the industry quality standard personally that I had for my business. So I took the research from my master's. I applied it to my own business and I set an industry quality standard for me. And that was one month. And then at the end of one month, I would be able to do these 14 things. I had employees and I say, okay, here's our industry quality standard. At the end of the month, this is where this horse should be. Well, then after um, I got hired at at TVCC there, I incorporated that and I thought, okay, I'm just going to set an industry quality standard. I'm going to take what I did for my business for one month and I'm going to expand it over two months to say, okay, if you are paying someone to train a horse, this is what you should expect. And not that every horse is going to fall into that, but what happens is I ran into someone here, and this poor lady, she had paid someone $15,000 to train a horse for her, which blows my mind. She went to a Buck Brandeman clinic, and Buck wouldn't even let her ride it in there. And so I really think there, worried she's, gonna get she's hurt. afraid she's going to get hurt. So I really think there is a need to help the industry say, okay, here is a reasonable industry quality standard. If you are paying someone to start a cold for you, where they should be at the end of two months, because that was one of the things that just amazed me in riding outside colts for the public. Someone would bring a horse to me and they'd say, okay, this horse has had 90 days of professional training. What does that mean? If I'm the consumer, what does that mean? Every, every industry, whether it's the automotive industry, the welding industry, the horseshoeing industry, everything has some sort of an industry quality standard that says if you hang out your shingle, this is what. And so as I head back, I really want to continue to develop that and help that. And and I've had several colleges visit with me and go, hey, we really like what you're doing with TQA and teaching the science. And they were maybe wanting to implement that. And so over the next year, I kind of have a team that I've been working with to try to maybe get a little better structure to TQA and maybe kind of incorporate that kind of as an education standpoint of some of the research that I did through my master's. And honestly, that I've continued to do the last 10 years of trying to name and define some of that stuff in starting Colts and setting the foundation. 
I got to tell you, Wade, you're introducing a term into the horse world that's going to scare half the people to death, and that's accountability. (laughs) Uh, That's something. (laughs) You know what? I totally agree with everything you just said, and we talk about that on the show. We've been doing this show for 10 years. We've had 5,000 guests literally on this show. And one of the things that is a recurring thing that keeps coming up with experts and industry leaders, whether they're professional riders or we have the CHA, we do one show every, every one episode every month with Christy from the Certified Horsemanship Association. And the one thing that always has been missing is accountability. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about that because that's what you're talking about is being accountable yeah. in a more structured way. Um, and we've never had that. One of the things that I have with my students is their score sheet. And they, every day they fill out these score sheets, the same thing I did my master's. There's a temperament side, there's a task completion, and then foundation. And so they have to write down. And I show up in my, in my program, it's structured like I'm the client. And I show up and I say, okay, what have, what have I paid you for? Because we've all been there. You take your horse to the trainer. They don't know if they're riding them or not, right? Right, that's they right. Days, they do whatever. Yeah. I say, okay, you ride that horse five days in a row. For my program, I would ride them five days in a row. I'd ride them hard, and then I'd give them the weekend off. I'd give them a breath. And especially a little two- or three-year-old, they need rest. I feel like they gain more there. But I'd ride, and I'd say, okay, every day they have to sit down, and, and they, we practice the client education. I show up, and i say, okay, what, what have I been paying you for? And I said, here's the field that I want to get. I have my kids, and I go to teachers' you know, conferences there, and, and they sit down. They go, well, here's how Tail's doing. Here's how we scored with the other kids on these different variables. And so we go through that. Okay, I've rode your horse this day. Here's how he's advanced in temperament. You know, at self-preservation, he started at a four or five. Now he's at a two or three sensitivity, reaction to social separation, some of them past completions, you know. When we first started, and this is how he was, the saddle, you know, lope in a straight line, these different things, and then foundational things like the basically the you take the slack out of the rain, they put the slack back in the rain, you know, those four stages I talked about there. And, and really, yeah, that accountability, because sometimes – the, the trainer shows up and it's like, I say, what have you trained my horse to do? Every time we take the slack out of the rain, we're either teaching that horse to give pressure, wear pressure, or be resentful. And I tell him, hey, I'm not paying you to teach my horse to be resentful. I'm not paying you to have my horse be tougher to catch. Some people, the more they work the horse, I, I say every time he should be advancing. If I'm paying you, he should be advancing. Now, I'm not saying he advances on task completion every time. But he better be advancing on temperament and foundation in one of those areas. And that's where I really dive in extremely deep with my students on the science behind the art so that they can be more productive on the business so where they can accomplish more in their training. Well, Wade, we're running out of time, but the, you, know, another- you, you said something very interesting there, and I wanted to just bring this up. There's accountability on two sides, too, because that person that's bringing the horse that doesn't know how to ride themselves and is, you know, they're getting a horseback mm-hmm. that's been worked for 90 days, but they themselves really are not a good rider or have never had any training exactly. in riding. So there's yeah. accountability on the client's p- point, too, that they have to do their point. They have to do their part. Um, And I think that's something that, you know, it's hard for certain clients to understand that they also have a responsibility in this. And I don't know how you get over that one with some people. You you probably don't. But um, we're running out of time. Sorry, Tara. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Wade and Amaya, thank you so much for coming on today. I know you've had a whirlwind week, really. So safe travels home to you and your family. And uh, we're eager to see um, what you guys continue to to offer to, to the equine industry. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Trevor's a stud. You guys are awesome. I want to see the horses reunion. I was so impressed with you guys. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's an honor to be on your show. And hey, tell Trevor hi for me. Oh my goodness. I, I no. will for sure. Thank and, you. And Wade, is it trainingforthecross.com? Is that the best website? And TVCC Horse Production. That's where I have basically everything I talked about today the, the science and the art and the business of training horses and the degrees and, and certifications. TVCChorseproduction.com. Very good. We'll put links to that in our show notes as well. Thank you, guys. Take care, and congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, congrats. Thank you. What a neat couple. Oh, yeah. They're really they're really impressive. I'll tell you <laughs> what. I was impressed. Very well done. Okay, so let me, I got to tell you, this yeah. is why he gets on the horses so well, because Martin, his dad, has them learn how to get on without a cinch in uh, a saddle. Oh, so the saddle's just sitting there? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Trevor watched him climb on that video and he said, oh, I could never get that done. (laughs) It's hard. And the older you get, the harder that gets, by the way. (laughs) But you you have to watch that video. It's like you can see how he could do it without a cinch. It's so impressive. I mean, anyway. (laughs) And then when he talks about Ray Hunt and Martin Black, you know, it happens to be his grandfather and his father. I mean, you know, that's kind of cool, too. So, I mean, talk about a family with tradition. Well, we're gonna. Your next guest is ready. We are gonna have to switch gears a bit. Well, not a lot, though. When you think about no, it, no, not too much. Well, one of the things that that went on this weekend, there was so much going on this weekend. I mean, there always is in the horse world, but for me personally, I had like six things on my calendar that I wanted to do. Right, uh, and one of them was the NRCHA put on an event where more than 60 ranch hands, cowboys, and cowgirls gathered in Paducah, Texas at the iconic Tongue River Ranch to learn more about ring cow horse. And so um, what they did is they brought in the NRCHA professionals, Todd Crawford, Terry Riddle, Jordan Williams, Robert Forrest, Russell Dilday, and Matt Cook. And they basically held a clinic to help cowboys, working ranch cowboys, learn more about the sport of ring cow horse. So Russell Dilday was one of the clinicians there. So I asked Russell if he would come on and tell us a little bit about himself and about the event at Tongue River. So good morning, Russell. Thanks for joining us today. You bet, Tara. Good morning. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. (laughs) So Russell... I'm sure they brought you in because you know a thing thing or two about Ring Cow Horse, three times world's greatest horseman, um, and you also are you also know what it is to run a working ranch. So, what was it like to be a part of this first event at Tongue River? Oh, it was it was a blast. Um, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I uh, really want to get the Ring Cow Horse back into ranching where it came from. Um, not that it's ever left it, but I just think that it could be a little broader recognized in the ranch industry. And we wanted to show the Cowboys how close all of the events in our sport fit their everyday working life and how they can work on it every day and then be able to go have fun at the at the cow horse show and at the same time refine their horses a little and make them worth more money to the general public when they get a little older. Yeah, that's true, because at least around here, somebody says, oh, you know, if a horse has really actually been used and ridden on the ranch, there's some real value to that, that that horse is, you know, has life experience. And people say that all the time, you know, not just an arena horse. So 
for for sure to be able to get a ranch horse that has some additional skill sets and more refined skill sets. So tell us a little bit about the format of this event, how it worked and what all you guys did. Well, you know, we just set it up um, in stations. Uh, Todd went out and took care of the reining, which is probably the hardest part for the, um, uh, for the cowboys. Everyone, the most feared thing in the cow horse from the cowboys is the lead changes. Everyone's worried about him. And I remember even when I was young, I just hate it. I still hate the lead changes. <laughs> still. <laughs> so Todd and uh, Robert Forrest were out there working on all the parts of the reining, the lead changes and the circles, the stops and the spins. And then uh, Matt was in a round pin working on li- live cattle on the cutting. And uh, Jordan was on the flag and Terry I think Terry was on the flag between the flag and the round pin, helping uh, people on the working the mechanical cow, the flag. And then I had the big arena in the morning, and I just helped people get down the fence with a single cow. And then uh, in the afternoon, Robert actually came over and helped me, and we both worked uh, the fence work at the same time. So we were able to run 60 <clears throat> people through every station that was there in the, in the first day. So, um, and then the second day we had a horse show. And then what happened with the horse show? Did you have judges there? Did they get scored? Did you place them? How did that go? Yeah, we, uh, we just ran it like it was a regular show. Um, we had, uh, I was judging, filled out a full blown, uh, score sheet. We, uh, made the rules a little bit easy on the bridles and handling the bridle reins for that show, just because people hadn't had a chance to get used to the NRCHA rules. Um, there were no tie downs or any <clears throat> training equipment, but we let them use a snaffle on any horse, whatever they were using on the horse. We let them use it as yeah. long as there were no tie downs or Martin gales or anything like that. But then, um, Jordan and, uh, um, uh, uh, Terry and Robert got everybody ready outside the, uh, the end gate, got them ready and got them in the arena. I judged them. Matt was on the end of the arena where the cows were coming in and he coached them through the boxing and down the fence. Then they left the arena and the NRCHA videographer was there videoing the whole thing. So when they came out of the arena, we had a screen set up and the run was on a delay. So they uncinched their horse and walked over there and watched their run play back with Todd Crawford. And he just told them where they did good and where they did bad right at, right after the run. And then uh, eventually uh, several of them would come and look at the score sheets or ask me um, why I marked what and what happened during the runoff of the score sheet. And then that was pretty much a wrap after that. But what, what is, we wanted was them to get a chance to get in that show pin and just get that first show jitter out, you know? Yes. <laughs> so what did some of them say <laughs> afterwards? Because that's, that's the hardest part uh, is making yourself go to town and doing it and being like, well, hey, I could do this. Uh, you can't believe how positive they were, Tara. Like, <laughs> I think it was just this real late right, realization, just like you said, that, hey, I can do this. This isn't that hard. Um, uh, tons of, uh, we've already, uh, the NRCHA office has already sent me a text that there are several people from the clinic signed up for shows 
in the future. The level one fraternity for one. Oh, yeah. They're already signing up for. Yep. So tell people a little bit about the different the different levels that are available in NRCHA for those who are wanting to start out, for example, working cowboys who do this every day, but want to get their feet wet showing. Well, right now, um, in the three-year-old events and the derbies, we have the level one and level two, uh, division, which they do not have to enter the open. They can just enter that. And it's for anyone who hasn't won level one is mostly people have won almost nothing. So I'm, I'm not, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think it's 5,000 and under. So it's, everyone is at the same skill set in that division. And it, uh, does not hold against you that you are working. You can be training, starting Colts on a ranch and that you're still eligible for that division. Whereas if you were to go to the amateur, which is in the non-pro division, that means you can only ride the horses you own. So that kind of takes a lot of the working cowboys out of our non-pro and they have to enter their open segment of our industry. And that's what the level one and level two are for, for people who haven't shown yet, haven't won any money and you can get started with a, a smaller entry fee. If you have an older horse, say a bridal horse or a hackamore horse or a two-rein horse, you can show in the weekend shows in the limited open, which is people who have won less than ten thousand. Um, and that's a that's a pretty green event. It's pretty it's a it's pretty much a, a last man standing event. You can go there and you don't have to have a great run to uh, catch a check. You just have to go not make any big, big mistakes. So it's a really good starting place. That's where mm-hmm. I started and, and, uh, lots of, and same thing again, you can train outside horses for money and it doesn't hurt anything in those divisions. And how would you describe the atmosphere between like people who are coming in to learn or for example, the people at this clinic, so they would fall into the level one limited open category. What's the re- What's it like between them and those who have won millions of dollars, you know, or three times world's greatest horsemen? What's what's it like between those types of trainers? Can you kind of tell people? You know, in the cow horse, and it's what drew me to it. And the what I my desire to do this clinic stems from the fact that I was raised just a cowboy and a rancher and um actually cowboyed out of a saddle that said 1931 sock horse champion salinas california and did (laughs) not even know that what it was i didn't know that the cow i knew nothing of the fence work or the uh cow horse class which is a shame to me because that's where it came from that's why i wanted to do this clinic to help I just think that more cowboys if they knew the cow horse was there and what it was and how well it fit us they would really get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, the, when you go to the shows, if you have a question, you can ask anybody at the cow horse show, top rider, medium rider, or someone in your level, and they'll help you. It's always been welcoming. And that is really why I got into this was the culture that's at the cow horse shows. It's so much like cowboy life 
um, that it's an easy step over from, from ranching. And then it makes your ranching, the more you refine your horses, it makes your ranching that much more fun, the broker your horses are. And the people in the cow horse know how much um, the ranching has complimented the cow horse, that that's where the roots are. And they have a lot of respect for the cowboys that come in there and do it. There's a lot of respect for a cowboy at our event, even if he doesn't know anything, just the fact that that's the way he makes a living and, and that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like if you compete at a high level and you're a cowboy, it's sort of the cherry on top. Like it, it, it's also, you know, it's an an added level of respect, (laughs) a a foundation level and an added level. (laughs) Yeah. What was, what was different about, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, what was different about, <laughs> that one other thing I was going to say. There's yeah. There's so nowadays there are so many top level riders that came from ranching, and that's one reason they have so much respect for the cowboys that are coming in because we all started just ranching and got into the cow horse late in life. What what was different about this clinic than the ones you normally teach, or what was different about the horses in this clinic? Was there a difference? There was such a difference, Tara, in the clinics I did 14 years ago, 10, 14 years ago, across the board, when, um, so 60 horses I looked at where I helped this weekend. There were, there were, there wasn't a horse in there that you didn't think you could get on and either show it or be showing it very soon. They had so much Mm. more head position. The horses were broke. Um, it was a really easy step to the show pin. It's, uh, and the bloodlines were really good. Uh, there was a lot of good bloodlines in there, but overall the people in the clinic were way closer to being able to compete than they were than what I would normally have seen 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Um, and then as far as the people in this clinic with the cowboy clinic, they had such a leg up in the fence work versus most clinics you go to where people don't have ranching background. So going to the fence work with these horses and these people was a very, very easy step. Their ability to rate a cow and see what a cow was thinking. I think they have a huge advantage over people who are trying to step into the industry just from the from the arena the the cowboys yeah. had a bigger advantage in the cow reading on the fence work yeah well they're they're having to rate one out in the wide open usually and around a choya yeah. or a sagebrush or <laughs> so, something like that too at least the fence is a straight line in that comparison so and a groomed arena yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> So what kind of things did you do to introduce these guys to going down the fence the first time? I mean, was it the first time for some of them? For a ton of them, it was the first time. And um, they fell into the fence for work very quickly. That was easy for them um, because everyone has so much background with roping and it's so close to it. What? I guess the bigger step for them was the circling. They, they're not very many of them had, um, done very much circling, uh, which was kind of funny. And 
the more I showed them how it worked, how they need to just stay, stay close, stay up by the shoulder and control that cow. Keep moving up. Don't get stuck back there at the flanks. The more that the light came on and they enjoyed it way more than they thought as a whole. That's what I mm. got. The feedback I got is, wow, that circling is really fun. That's as fun as the fence. They, I don't, they hadn't oh. done it much and just didn't realize how, how, how much fun it was going to be a circle of cow. Yeah, that's true. The fence does get a lot of the hype and the wow, but the circling really is, it's kind of, it's kind of the end, the end of the run, but there's really so much to it. Yes. Yep. It's the punctuation to the run. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) So we're, (laughs) what's, what's up for you next? Where are you headed next? Oh, I'm just feeding cows waiting on green grass. And then, uh, my next show will probably be the, uh, I'm not going to the stakes this week. Um, but I'm, we've actually bought a bunch of cows and I'm doing more ranching. It's been kind of a long winter, but, uh, the next event will be the Derby or start in on the pre fraternities. Okay. So that's in this summer. Those events come up for you this summer. Yes. Yep. pre fraternities. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, and I'll also go to a lot of the local horse shows. Uh, the SRCHA club shows around here locally. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to, to come on and talk about this today, Russell. One of the things that uh, a lady commented on the, some of the photos of you guys from the event, she said, this is what makes NRCHA and stock horse of Texas. So great is these awesome clinics. And that's, that's why the sports are growing so much. It's a great opportunity for people to learn no one expects you to have a full-time trainer or be a full-time trainer and, and just the camaraderie. And so it was great to hear you describe all of those things. So where can people find out more about you if they do want to come and, and learn from you or send horses to you? How would they find out about you, Russell? Um, they can just, uh, um, I'm on uh, com. They can or look up um, the NSHA, National Stock Horse Association. Uh, my information's on either one of those, and uh, my cell phone's on there. So give me a call or send me an email, either one. Okay, very good. Well, thanks for coming on, Russell. Good, good luck with you the bet. rain thanks for and having the green me. grass. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, thank you for setting all this up, Tara. Appreciate it. It's been fun to go down Road to the Horse uh, with you again today. As yeah. we said earlier in the show, that's where we met. <clears throat> we wouldn't be here today without Road to the that's, Horse. So <laughs> That's right. That's right, yeah. It's influenced a lot, hasn't it? That's right. <laughs> and um, and because we didn't go, I'm not sick today. Uh, because I always yeah. got sick after <laughs> so it's like yeah. so but well, we, uh, we, we, have we to were worry talking about before the show that if we'd had to go for that many hours that we all would have needed a couple weeks off yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah <laughs> exactly I can't can you imagine talking for that many hours on Sunday just nonstop? <clears throat> that must have been a feat for I the announcers yeah I can't imagine it but I do know that because it's so engaging 
that, you know, I'd be totally, I'd totally be invested in it. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, why am I so tired? Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> you I'm just, I haven't done anything all day. But. <laughs> You're really good at it too. Well, we'll be doing it again, I'm sure. Well, thank yeah. you everybody for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget uh, that the uh, uh, Western episode is here the fourth Tuesday of every month. If you go to horsesinthemorning.com and just look down toward the middle of the page, there's a whole bunch of little graphics. <laughs> Click on the Western one and bring up all the past episodes that Tara's done. And that's where you can find all the special episodes that we do every Tuesday and Thursday. Jamie will be back tomorrow. We have a big day planned. And I don't know if Jennifer's still here. Can we tease the one guest, Jennifer? Um, we sure can. All right. Do you want to do that? Because you set this one up. so I can. Let, so, me, let me go find it in the many, many, many windows that I have open. All right. Well, we had Dean John Rosen. Yeah, I was just going to say we had John Fusco on, who is the screenwriter for many, many Hildago and many movies. And it was a very popular interview. And you have another screenwriter coming up tomorrow. Yes, Gene Rosenberg, who was one of the screenwriters for, among other films, The Young Black Stallion. Maybe a few of you have seen that one. So I'm very excited to chat with her. Yeah, and she's done others also that uh, her list is about a mile long. Uh, So we're going to talk to her tomorrow. It's like screenwriter month here on Horses in the Morning. We're just (laughs) a ton of screenwriters. I hope this is as good as John's was. And I got to say that we need to put put Wade's interview on the best of list there, Jennifer, because that was excellent. Yes, that was fascinating. Yeah. Uh, So Tara, good job on, on getting that. Uh, rolling and getting that set up and uh, only you could have got that done he's got to be tired after this weekend <laughs> so. uh, I, I think he's he's eager to, to share what he knows which is really lucky for all of us where can people find you we're at carterranchhorse.com and any clinics anything coming up we do we've got jen was asking about that earlier and i actually need to get them on the website because they're they're pretty much full, but I still need to get them on the website so people know we're doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'll help. All right, so yeah. look for that clinics by the end of the week. I'm putting t- pressure on Tara. You can find those. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. <laughs> th- thank you, Tara. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you all thank tomorrow you morning. Bye-bye.